is taken from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 9, page 742 in the Church Bible and on the screen behind me. Isaiah chapter 55, invitation to the thirsty. Come, all you are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me, listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we're continuing on with our um, series on the book of Acts. So the second reading is from Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 25, page 1101 in the Church Bible, Acts chapter 8. This is just after the stoning of Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the mirac miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, 
This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. This is the word of the Lord. Fran, would you like to come up and we'll pray. Well, Lord, we have Fran here to come and to preach your gospel to us tonight, your good news. And Lord, we just ask that the words from his mouth are what you have put in his heart. And give us ears to hear and give us hearts to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. Okay. I've got my laptop tonight because um, our printer's playing up so uh, hopefully it'll all go to plan my bible here it's going wrong already I'll clip this on properly get myself organized my bible okay well, it's great to be here again this evening um, so as Ruth said we're on this journey through acts you know, I just want to be honest, really. I can't do this in my own strength. Um, I do everything through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And I'm really honoured that God would choose someone like me to come and stand before you. So, so I'm really humbled and um, I'm honoured that God would use me. So, so far in Acts, it's been a bit of a roller coaster with... Um, we heard last week how Stephen was stoned. And we heard the struggles 
that he faced. And, and this week, we read in, um, in verse 8, 1 to 3, this, this persecution carried on. And we, got, we get introduced to this character called Saul. But we're not going to talk too much about him this evening. As the weeks go on, we'll get to know him a bit better. But so far, the apostles have had a real time of blessing. They've, had, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And things start to go a bit pear-shaped. Stephen gets stoned to death. And the church gets um, persecuted. They go around arresting, arresting Christians. And even today, in 2015, our church of Christ is still being persecuted. You know, people are still being arrested. People are still being kidnapped because they believe in Jesus, because of their faith. And only a couple of weeks ago, we heard in the news, some shocking news, 21 Orthodox Coptic Christians were beheaded for believing in Jesus, for having a faith. And I wonder, how many of us here, I look at my life and, do you know, I don't come to church. I came this morning with my family and I wasn't in fear of being mocked or persecuted. How many of us here this evening have come and have been afraid? Probably none of us. But here we have in this, in verse 8, persecution of the early church. And in this, this year, we've seen so many cruel acts. Our brothers and sisters have been slaughtered because they believe in Jesus, because of their faith. And I follow um, Bishop Angelos. He's the, on Twitter, he is the general bishop of the Orthodox Coptic Christian Church. And his response was amazing to these, to these 21 beheadings. He said, first we must, there must be some humanity in these murderers. There must be. We must look for some humanity in them. And of course, he condemned what they did. And it's wrong what they did. But then he went on to say, we must seek forgiveness. It's, it's incredible. And then he later tweeted a psalm. Now, if we can pick our Bibles up, and turn to Psalm 23. It's a well-known psalm. And let's declare this together. So Psalm 23, verse 4. Is everyone there? Let's read this together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. That was his response. 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear no evil, for you are with me, and your staff will comfort me. How many of us here this evening has been, have been in that place of pain, of struggle, maybe of grief? It's nothing new, is it, to us? We all face these valleys of shadows of death and we all walk through them. And we see it in this first chapter. The persecution of the early church forced out of Jerusalem into Samaria. So it's a bit slow, my notes are a bit. You know, sometimes we have to be uncomfortable, don't we, before we move. I try to stop and ask myself, do you know in this time of when God really puts us in an uncomfortable place, I try and say to God, God, what are you, what are you saying to me here? What, are you, what might you be preparing me for? You know, for me personally, I've, I've had many struggles in my life. Many painful circumstances. I guess we all have. Many times when I've been pushed completely out of my comfort zone. Many a time I've walked in that valley of the shadow of death. I just want to share a story with you um, from my life. Sorry, this is not good tonight, is it? This, this clip. It was about five years ago. Myself and Claire, my family, had this vision from God that he wanted us to plant a, a children's church. And... Um, and we did. We responded to God. And we started off with 10 kids in this church in Summerstown. And it grew. And within six months, we had 50 children. We were reaching out to the community. It was a real time of blessing, a real time of God moving in their lives, changing their lives, changing families' lives. And I'll never forget this. Five years ago, we were there and the church was in full swing. It was going along great. And then I could hear children playing on the roof. And this was nothing new. It was in Summerstown. This is what kids do. And for me, I, I was brought up in the east end of London. And I spent my childhood playing on roofs. But you know when you get that feeling that something isn't quite right? I had that feeling. I'm not sure if it was the Holy Spirit or just, that, just a sense. So I, I investigated. I went upstairs and into the office to see what was going on. And there were kids on the roof. So I opened the window, and me being me, I just, you know, clear off. Clear off the roof. But they turned and faced me, and I could see that something was, was wrong. You know, their face was as white as that board there. I climbed out of the window onto the roof, 
I went up to these kids. I said, look, it's okay. You're not in trouble. What's up? And then the next few minutes just seemed like a dream, really. Completely out of reality. I just said, Tommy, Tommy is, is down there. And I looked on the floor, looked to the ground, and all I saw was a, a little boy. Blonde hair. Head covered in blood. Now, two minutes ago we was in church, praising Jesus. Next minute I'm in this, this valley of the shadow of death. I'm on my own. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I just went into react mode. I got on the phone, I dialed 999. The kids, the kids around me, his friends, were hysterical. And then somehow I, I, I started to climb down to him. I'm on the phone. The, the lady, the ambulance lady is, is, is telling me to be calm. I was calm, but I was nervous. I didn't know if I got to him, would he still be alive? Would he be dead? I had no idea. I got to him and, and thankfully he was alive. All I could do really was to, to stop the bleeding in his head. His, his friends were screaming their head off. I was trying to speak to the ambulance lady. Just, she was asking me lots of questions and, you know, I, I didn't know the answers to them. I was trying to comfort his friends. I was crying out to God in between talking to the ambulance crew and, and the, the friends. God, would you help me? What is going on here? I'm in this valley of the shadow of death. It felt like forever. All I could do was hold this little boy's head between my knees and, and just, just say, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And the first emergency services, what came was a, it was a, w, a, community, a community copper. I just remember seeing two hands on the wall and then him climbing up and then jumping over. And then I just remember seeing the reaction on his face of, of horror as he was just faced with a sight of this little boy and me, just down there, oh, and I was covered in blood. And the first thing he said to me, is this your son? And I said, no. But to me, I treated him the same as my son. I was crying, my heart was broken for this little boy. It was unreal. And then before long, everyone appeared, police, paramedics, and I knew it was serious when the paramedic asked for the, the air ambulance. And then the response came back. The air ambulance was unavailable. And the paramedic's response, I can't repeat what he said, because the language isn't appropriate, but he made a difference. Within eight minutes, that helicopter was landed on the common, and that little boy was, he was rushed to Southampton Hospital. And, you know, all we could do, you know, we went home that evening, that afternoon, and uh, did that really happen? <laughs> it did happen. Oh, my goodness. All we could do was pray for that little boy. And as a family, we spent the whole week praying for him. As a church, we prayed for him the whole week. And within a week, that little boy, his name was Tommy, he was out of hospital. Yeah, he was out of hospital. He was back to school within a week. And that's, it's incredible, but, you know, there will be times when we're in these valleys 
were in the pit. And for me, that was my time. I was in the pit. I was in the valley of the shadow of death. I felt like I was persecuted. And Acts is full of that. And what's my point? I guess that as followers of Jesus, we need to expect times of, of trouble. Times that we'll be in these valleys of the shadow of death, in the pits. And Acts is full of guts and glory. It recalls the wild fire spread of Jesus. You know, there are epic moments of, of gospel glory. But there are also moments of painful tragedy. So can I ask that we would be courageous men and women, boys and girls, who are up for both of these, who are up for gospel glory and for, and for times of, of tragedy, would we be up for both? So how did the, the early church, how did they move forward? I guess perseverance. You know, it's what I tell my kids all the time. You know, never give up in life. And we see uh, the disciples, they're being persecuted, but still they choose to move on to spread the good news. And yeah, there are going to be times in our life that we're going to want to give up. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes we need to give up. Sometimes, you know, just leaving something behind is the right decision. You know, for me, there have been many times that I've wanted to give up. I remember in 1998, I ran my first London Marathon. And um, I'd spent eight months training. It's tough. Anyone here run a marathon? It must be Roger. He's humble. (laughs) It's hard work. And the training is even harder. Eight months of training. Well, Josh, well done. So you 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 know what I'm talking about here. Eight months of training. And then on the day of the race, I felt really, really fit. I was ready. And I had my, my, my number and um, I had my name on it. And at the time, people called me Frank. That was my name, Frank. People called me Frank. My name's Francis. You guys could call me Fran. But back in the day, they called me Frank. So I was ready. I was fit. My first marathon, 1998. And I, I started well, running well. 10 miles, no problem. I knew at 13 miles at Tower Bridge, I see my wife my, my, and my family, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. Kids weren't around then. And at 13 miles, I saw them, that was a real boost, but I was still feeling strong. I kept going, running, running. At 14 miles, I was going strong. 15, no problem. And people have talked to me about hitting the wall. I was thinking, wow, when's this wall going to hit? And people told me about 20 miles. Is that right? Isn't it? 20 miles. And I was thinking, no, I'll be fine. Carried on. People calling my name, encouraging me. It's great. And then at mile 16 or 17, I heard people call me, Frank! Go on, Frank. But not just one. Like, it seemed like hundreds. I was like, oh, wow. I must be looking really, really good here. Everyone is calling me. 
was thinking, hmm, strange though. Why have all these people calling me? And then it wasn't until I heard, Bruno, Bruno. They were actually calling Frank Bruno, and he was a heavyweight boxing champion. But I can honestly say that I beat Frank Bruno. I overtook him at mile 17, and I carried on. Strong. Where's this wall going to hit me? 18, fine. 19, fine. And then 20 miles. Oh, my goodness. I didn't hit a wall. I hit a concrete, solid wall. Hard. My body shut down. My legs felt like they were concrete. My running went from a jog to a, a snail's pace. I carried on going. 24 miles, still going slow. At 25 miles, voices in my head. You need to stop. You need to stop. And I was like, yeah, I know. I know I need to stop. And I was about to. My head dropped. My hands dropped and into this position. Then I heard, Frank, Frank. I looked up and there's a couple there. You're doing so well. Keep it up. You're nearly there. Only two miles to go. You know, those two miles were the hardest I'd ever run. You know, what I love so much about Axe or had gone too far. What I love so much about Axe is even though they faced hitting the wall, persecution, they never gave up. They never gave up in spreading the good news of Jesus. You know, the disciples, they moved on. They moved to Samaria. And Philip, well, he performed miracles we see evil spirits come out of people. We see the lame being healed. Crippled people healed. And the disciples, they met a guy called Simon. And Simon was into tarot cards, witchcraft. But when Simon heard Philip speak, and when he saw the wonders and the miracles... He believed and he was baptized because of the wonders and the miracles. And, and when the other disciples heard what was going on in Samaria, when they heard that Samaria had accepted God and Samaria had been saved, they sent in reinforcements. They sent in the boys, Peter and John. And I think this is a crucial point in the movement and the spread of, the, of, of Jesus, of the good news, and for the growth of the church. Do you know, as soon as they arrived, they immediately started praying for new believers. They didn't mess around. And we read in verse 15 to 17. I'll just read it to you. When they arrived, they prayed for new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them and they had simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them 
and they received the Holy Spirit. So up until that point, they had not received the Holy Spirit. It appears only when hands were laid on them and they were prayed for that they received the Holy Spirit. And this laying of hands, it's it's not just a a New Testament. It, It runs, it's a thread running through the Bible. It's in Numbers, it's in Deuteronomy. In Numbers 27, verse 18, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the Spirit of wisdom, for Moses, Moses had laid his hands on him. In Timothy, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you with the laying on hands. It goes on. There are many times in Old and New Testament where the hands have been laid. So Simon saw this laying of the Holy Spirit and he wanted some action. He wanted this, this gift. He'd been into witchcraft and people said he had great power. And he wanted the Holy Spirit to fill him. He offered to pay for this gift. And it does. In 2015, it seems like everything has a price, even now, in this world. That we can be bribed. That the wealthy are taken over. That we're consumed with materialism. Simon also, you know, he thought he could buy this wonderful gift. But he was harshly rebuked by Peter. The only way you could receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit is to turn from your sins. It's to ask God for forgiveness and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, no amount of money can buy salvation or a relationship with Jesus that brings complete forgiveness. I think I'm going to stop there. Should we just pray? And can we do something different? Can we stand and let's pray together, please? Let's just wait on God. Let's just spend some time just just calling out to God. Holy Spirit, we give you space. We give you space to move amongst us.